what it all comes down to. This is music. This is mayhem. This is a high voltage rock and roll podcast especially for you. Don't think because you haven't heard of us that we didn't exist. We've been here all along like a spirit roaming the night, seldom stopping to rest. Our path has been marked by the bolted skull and bones, smashed guitars, and starred stages across the world. Welcome to the full-on church of rock and roll. This is only the beginning. Hey, Carlos, what's going on? How's it going? Good. I was, you know what, I was, honestly, I'm going to be honest, I was looking at your um, LinkedIn. Oh, hold on, hold on one second. It's all right. Okay. I'm in my car. Is that, is the sound okay? Yeah. I it's a, the phone. Uh, no, no, you're good. We, we have a buzz here, but it's all good. This is how we do it. You know me, right? Okay. All right. Uh, all right. No, I was just saying to these guys, and we have Ike De La Torre with us and Damon De La Torre with us, and we're going to have Keelan step in. Um, but yeah, I was just telling them, I was, I was, I was looking you up on, um, LinkedIn. I noticed I had a, a LinkedIn message from Evan Seinfeld. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that That's guy. Amazing. I see, I see him, I see him out and about sometimes and I went to his pizza shop oh, it's great. a couple of years back. I don't know. Yeah. Does he still call, call in that place? I think he does. I think he did. I think it's closed down. He's always doing yeah. something. That guy is, uh, he's so okay. busy. Okay. It's just funny that it's on LinkedIn. Yeah, you know, I just, I don't expect it from LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, that guy. I hate LinkedIn. Yeah, right? Like, that's when you have absolutely, you're trying to waste the most time as possible. Like, I'll check my LinkedIn because you've checked everything else. So. It's, it's horrible because I hate that, that, you know, look at me kind of thing about, you know, I don't know. It just feels very. Like congratulations to myself a lot. I don't know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So how you been, man? I've been okay. I've been uh, hanging in. It's uh, you know, COVID. I always say is different if you have two young kids or any young kids in a, in a home. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to someone who doesn't have them, you know, running around. So uh, that part we've adjusted to mm-hmm. uh, as well as we can. But um, yeah, yeah, hanging in, man. And you're still doing the writing thing. I, I thought of you because I, I watched the Cream Magazine documentary the other night. Have you seen that yet? I have. Yeah, I, I, I did. I love it. I, lo- I loved it. So when I was growing up, that, that go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say when I was growing up, like that was the Bible. And, you know, right, right. A, a lot of my musical tastes are because of, of that. The way I look at bands and make fun of bands is because of that because they're <laughs> pros at that. You know what I mean? Um, all of yeah, that. Absolutely. There was this guy, Jay Kordash, which was my favorite writer at the time. And he wrote this article on Rush, an interview with Rush from around like moving pictures time or something like that. And it was so funny mm-hmm. as a little kid. And I just, I just love them. People like, you know, fuck all these people who are trying to be rock stars, like just bring them down to size. And I think for me, you come across that way sometimes because you're, you're from Queens and I, I know you don't, you know, there's no bullshit with you. Yeah, uh, I for for me since I'm a little bit younger. So for me, uh, it was cream was something that it was a more of an after the after the the fact that I got into rock, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I got into it very young because I had an uh, older cousin who was heavily into. Remember Mahogany Rush? 
Yes. Frank Marino. Yes. He, he was very, yeah. He was into Frank Marino and Mahogany Rush. He was into uh, Triumph. He was into, yeah, all of that kind of that school. And uh, through that, I was really intrigued by it. And um, I was already into Kiss because of the, the clips and, and all of that, the, the fun of it, not knowing really about what is rock, what is hard rock, what is cool, what isn't cool. It was just, I love Kiss. And, uh, but yeah, he got me into, into uh, deeper into it. And then for me, the magazines that were, that were for, you know, my generation, I guess you'd say it would be like Hit Parader and Circus. And then the, the British ones or the European ones like Metal Forces and, uh, Kerrang. Yeah. So those, those were the, the shaping kind of tools for me. And, and, and like a lot of other kids, thanks lists were, were essential. Um, you know, looking through thanks lists, looking through T-shirts and, and band photos. What is that T-shirt? What is that logo? You know? Yeah. And um, being intrigued by it and sometimes imagining, what does that band sound like? And I would have in my head these, like, imaginary kind of albums in my head of what a band would sound like before I heard it. I remember one of those bands was Exodus. Mm. I just pictured in my head what they sounded like. And then, you know, obviously pre-internet, you know, you, you had to find the actual audio. But... Yeah, magazines, uh, it's a shame that print is so um, disregarded by, by, you know, younger younger people don't read magazines, music fans for the most part, Yeah, unfortunately, outside of decibel, maybe metal, the metal world, and, and a few other uh, exceptions. But yeah, print was huge for me, still is. I, I get magazines from, you know, Classic Rock, I get, I get Mojo, I get all the British ones, I get uh, just decibel, the aforementioned decibel, and yeah, print is still for me in books. I get every music book you can think of. That's all I collect. I don't collect vinyl. I collect music books. So that's great. That's the it's knowledge. Still ongo- yeah. yeah, it's ongoing, man. I'm I'm just always trying to find out more. There's always more to uncover. Yeah, and it, and it, there's always more about what's happening now. But there's things about the past. Like I love pulling out my old magazines from when I was a kid, like Old Cream magazine, say from like '76, and reading those articles, yeah. and then what really happened in real life after. <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes right, it's there. Right, sometimes right. it's like, oh. did it seem like it was like fabricated sometimes? Or yeah. Like... Well, every Gene Simmons article. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Carlos, um, I had a question. Did that, you know, print, yeah. did print get you into wanting to become a journalist or did that just come with your love of music and wanting to be a part of it? And... Uh, it just started, I think, for again, it might be a generational thing. I'm 45, so I grew up in the 80s. So for me, it was uh, zines through hardcore and punk and, and death metal and underground music, yeah. I, I wanted to do a zine because I saw it was so easy to do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's time consuming, but you can do it. And uh, just through that, I started doing zines and then I just built a network from there. I started interning at record labels and then I worked in the music industry at different points. But I always uh, wrote and uh, I've always loved doing it. And I love the biggest thing for me is turning someone onto something they might not know about. That's always the biggest thing for me yeah. with writing. But yeah. Yeah, it started with zines for me. Yeah, it's funny, like, when it comes to that, and that's the biggest turn on, like, when you when you discover something and you want to tell everyone about it, and then when they all start liking it, then you hate it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm an asshole. You're an asshole. Yeah, yeah. I think there is something to, like, liking something so much yeah. before other people like it, yeah. and then when they come around yeah. to it, it makes you kind of like, do I like it that much, or yeah. is it just because they like it now, I yeah. don't like it as much? Or I, you no. know, and, yeah. And in the I, past, I felt that way before, yeah. yeah, and in the past, like we were, we were talking about Cream Magazine, like and, and coming with that whole Detroit attitude, and then it went to Touch and Go, and they had that attitude, and then Motor Booty had that attitude. 
I, I think when I read magazines of today, it's just strictly the information, and and a lot of times it reads like press releases. So it's kind of like, it's kind of a bummer. <clears throat> you know, less about the culture dry. and yeah. more yeah. about like releases and stuff like that. Yeah. So so you start your own zine. What what? Go ahead. I was gonna say the problem. The problem with it, and, and this and this happens as well with, um, let's say the biggest, you know, like him or not, the biggest uh, voice of, of hard rock metal is Eddie Trunk because he has that platform through his, you know, through his serious talk show and, and the other things he does. What, and I and I say like it or like him or not because I know people, you know, <laughs> are, have opinions about Eddie Trunk. I always say this about him: at least there's someone out there that is representing it whether you like, you know, agree with all of his opinions or not, at least there's someone doing that. And I listen to him. I often yell at the radio when I'm listening to him <laughs> because I get annoyed, but it's there. And hey, man, it's it's better than not having someone talk about this. And I do, I, you know, going back, the reason I bring this up is because he, he kind of, he straddles the line sometimes. You know, people like Lester Bangs and most famously, of course, people that had points of view in, in music rock journalism who, who would go out and say, uh, for example, Kiss is garbage or Lou Reed is God or whatever, you know, whatever it was at the time. Um, I, you know, people don't want to do that because they know they're going to get their bridges, you know, they're going to burn bridges and they're going to mess up relationships with publicists. And some of these publicists have, or used to at least have a lot of power and they're gatekeepers. And um, yeah, uh, a lot of people, are afraid to to piss off you know industry people yeah and um you know uh, people like lester banks couldn't couldn't give a flying fuck about that you know which was cool and people like kim fowley people that uh spoke you know they they lived it breathed it and didn't give a shit who would you know whose feelings they would hurt along the way i can't say that i i i had that because i certainly have had moments where i i held back because i didn't want to get into some kind of political thing. I, I'm going to own that. Yeah, and it makes and it makes sense. I mean, because after a while, those people like Lester Bangs or Dave Marsh, they just became so negative. It was just like, then they then you become cool for saying how much things suck. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's a boring, right. that's a boring right, read right. too. That's so... So you, you, you're from Queens, you know, you grow up, you play bass, yep. right? You're bass in, in Black Army Yeah, I play bass, yep. So right, that's tell, right. tell us a little bit about that. Like, how did you get into to wanting to play bass or did you play guitar first or just straight up bass? I think, yeah, the trajectory for me was probably very similar to a lot of other people. I got a guitar first because uh, that's I don't know. I don't I, I didn't know many kids who were very young who wanted basses. Uh, I grew up in, in, a, in an urban area, so drums were, were just that was kind of kind of a, a dream to have a drum set in your apartment it's like a and, and not be kicked out of your building so yeah. it was either yeah, guitar right. or bass but i didn't know yeah but i didn't know anyone who wanted to play bass editor it was all guitars of course so i got a guitar but um it was one of those situations where uh somebody started a band or wanted to start a band and then it was like well who's gonna play bass i'll do it i guess i'll do it so i'll buy a bass so it was that kind of thing i'm not gonna lie to you and say that i was you know uh, re, you know, reading Chris Squire transcriptions and trying to, you know, it wasn't like that. It was like, I want to learn how to play like Danny Loker. Well, Danny Loker has a great bass tone. So get a good bass tone. And that's the first part. So that was how I got into bass playing. Uh, being in Queens, speaking of Danny Loker, there were, there was a lot of, um, a lot of people from the, the scene that were 
older than I was, like Danny Looker, like Scott Ian, all these people who, to me, it was really important because they were from the area, but they were on another level. They were playing, making records, touring. They were, you know, famous within the metal world, at least. And um, that was huge because it made it so that I thought, well, if they can do it. Why can't I? They're not some pretty boy, you know, they're not like glitzy glamour. When I found out that Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons, uh, you know, were from Queens, um, or at least, you know, grew up there for the most part, it was, that was massive. But they still were on a plateau to me that was so unattainable that it was like, I might as well say, I want to be an actor in Hollywood and, you know, and be Sylvester Stallone. It wasn't (laughs) something that... You know what I mean? But I, I, I could see myself like, hey, nuclear salt is from, from Queens. Uh, let's let's do that, you know? So for me, it was, uh, I, I think it was right place at the right time, right era. Um, and and having having those people that, that come from where you come from, from pretty much the same kind of means, and here they are on, on, on tour and doing all these things that I thought were so cool. Little did I know, I, I thought, the other thing I thought was, if you get signed and you're on Island Records, in the case of Anthrax, and you're recording albums in in, in, uh, in Jamaica, and you're you know hanging out with Chris Blackwell at the company you know the Christmas company party, I I, I, I assume you were a millionaire. I, I assume Charlie Benante lived in you know in uh, Rockland County in, in, a, in a mansion. I, I my view of people making records or releasing records on major labels, I just assumed everyone was rich. So that was one one of those things where i was way off base you know it's, it's working class yeah for the most part yeah and and i think queens like where you grew up is out of you know from new york is a huge deal for all of that the working class because you did you had paul and gene you had the ramones you had scott and and those guys and and those are people you could see at the deli you know what i mean Maybe yeah yeah and you and you would and you would well not not both <laughs> <laughs> Paul Stanley was. I think Paul Stanley. It's funny because Paul Stanley. I interviewed uh, the last time I interviewed him. We talked about Queens, and and he he got actually excited about it, and he told me the exact building where he grew up in, which to me was like the biggest. That, that was I was more excited about the fact he gave me his address in in Kew Gardens than anything else uh, that he was talking about. Uh, these are the, the minutiae things that I, I live for. But anyway. Paul Stanley is one of those guys that once he could get out of Queens and, 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 and I don't think he went back to Queens often, unless he was going to this airport because JFK yeah. and LaGuardia are both there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember seeing Scott Ian at shows. I remember seeing, uh, you know, uh, uh, Danny Spitz. I remember he's not from Queens, but I remember seeing, uh, you know, John Connolly from nuclear assault, Dan Luker. Uh, I would see all the time. I actually, Years later, in Black Army Jacket, did a split record with Dan Loker, uh, one of his side bands called Hemlock, and we did a split. So to me, that was a huge deal. That's a personal, you know, uh, milestone in my discography to be able to say I was on a record with Dan Loker because, like I said, he was one of those guys I looked up to, uh, you know, junior high school. So, yeah, yeah, Queens is Queens is is a is a melting pot. Uh, It's it's a, a really interesting place. I grew up in Jackson Heights, Elmhurst, which is really just, it's like a social experiment. It, it has the most, you know, different uh, you know, people from different countries, different religions, all thrown into these buildings. And, and um, it's, you know, 
there is good and bad that comes out of that <laughs> because it was a lot of a lot of turmoil at times, but it was for the most part a really cool and really interesting way to grow up. Yeah, you're and, Colombian, uh, yeah, right? It, 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 yeah, my dad's from Colombia, my okay. mom's from Ecuador. So uh, at the time uh, in Jackson Heights, there was that was the most uh, that was the biggest Colombian community outside of Colombia. So there was a lot of that influence in my life. Um, but but uh, yeah, it it, it was uh, culturally rap music was coming out of the boroughs at the time. It was I mean literally being born when I was a kid. So it was all these this clashing of of scenes. But it was really cool, really you know really interesting. So growing up, then, did you want to be in a band specifically? Did you get the itch that you wanted to write or you wanted to do label stuff? Like, what what was it that you really wanted to do? I At first, I wanted to be in the band. I wanted to be like, uh, you know, uh, I know Tim, you know, Motley Crue is probably not your, oh, I know it's not your one of your favorites, <laughs> but the, the Motley Crue Home Sweet Home video, you know, the slow motion, like the look at me, look how hard it is on tour, you know. Oh, oh my God! The girls in the slow motion, you know, beauty shots in <laughs> yes. the bus. That 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 was porn. That was porn to me. I was like, I want that. I want to be on the road. I want to be adored. I want to play with the you know, the lights blowing up behind me. I I want I want that. I want the explorer base. I, I want to do all that. A few years later, as I got into high school and I got a little older, then it was for me again, Tim. I think we've talked about this in the past. I wanted to be like a Desmond Child. I wanted mm-hmm. to be like, a, you know what I mean? Like a, a, a Vinnie Poncia, like a, one of those like <laughs> you behind named, the scenes you, songwriter. You, you named the two people that killed yeah, Kiss. <laughs> Did you well, want to kill Kiss? Uh, <laughs> depending, depending how you look at it. <laughs> well, true, um, true, true. I'm sorry I, to interrupt. No, but. I, I, love, I love 80s Kiss, sorry, and not sorry, but... Anyway, uh, yeah, I wanted to be one of the, the, those songwriter guys. I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be a producer slash songwriter. And I, 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 the reason I, I was really interested in that is because you get to work with different artists and different styles of music. And um, again, it was, I was very ignorant to how it all worked. I didn't know that they had uh, managers or agents or, that helped them secure these, these gigs. I didn't know that there were these sessions that were set up by the label uh, a lot of times forced by the A&R in the case of, of um, you know, uh, some, some of these bands, they didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know these things. I was just reading a liner notes and I was seeing a lot of different names come up a lot. I remember one of the, the people that I, I was, that, that stuck out to me was this guy, Bob Halligan, who wrote with Judas Priest. He wrote Take These Chains, which I thought was a really cool song. Great song. Um, and I, I would see his, his credits on Kicks Records, a band I love, Kicks. So Bob Halligan. So I would find, oh, if I, you know, back in the vinyl days, I would turn the record around at a store and I would see the credits. And if they had the songwriter credits and if they had names I would know, I would pick up the record if I didn't know the record otherwise. So for me, it was, I want to be in a band. I want to be famous. And it was, I want to be the behind the scenes guy. And then the record label thing was, you know, soon after that. Um, So I've always been interested in the music business for better or for worse. It's a love-hate relationship I have with it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the business pays the bills, and the music is is for the the enjoyment. And sometimes you can't separate them, but we yeah. can. It, it's wonderful. But you've always amazed me because, yeah. like, you would, you know, you and I would talk about the heavy shit, like nuclear assault or or entombed and stuff like that. 
but you know just as much yeah. about those bands that I really fucking hate. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, you know, Kicks. I don't. Kicks is probably not one. I don't, I don't even know. There's, that's no, different. No, no. But like Kick King Tracy. of the. How about Kick Tracy? Yeah, Kick, Kick Tracy, Tracy. King, <laughs> King of the Hill. All of these bands that sh- shouldn't even be remembered. Hill. You <laughs> love these bands. Uh, they should be celebrated. They should be celebrated. <laughs> I mean, it, it's funny because you are like, you know. Uh, like a, an episode of Headbangers Ball with Ricky Rackman where we could see, you know, we got a no video, but then I have to sit through some night songs or some Cinderella thing. Right. So th- you'll appreciate this. I remember being in high school or even before that junior high school and, I, you know, Monday mornings, the, the few metalhead kids I knew and, and maybe hardcore punk kids, whatever, the, the people who like heavy music, yeah. they would go, oh man, did you see that Testament video? They had the video for Trial by, Trial by Fire. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, man, I had to fucking wait till the last 15 minutes. Those <laughs> fucking assholes, man. I had to sit through. I had to sit through the latest, you know, a Warren and Slick Toxic video, and yeah. I would sit, be like, "Yeah," that, and it wasn't it great, and they'd all hate me for it. Dude, so n- for me, n- it was, <laughs> no one, know, no one else, no one else has said Slick Toxic today. <laughs> Trust me, you're the only one in the world. And Tim, I did that on purpose. I did that to, to just get you going, just to piss you off. Uh, no, I can go on for hours. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I wish Keelan was here because Keelan's our guy for that. He loves all of that stuff. But your your knowledge, your complete knowledge of music on all both sides of the spectrum, all sides of the spectrum, it's just it's impressive. And I love talking to you because we both know, you know, we would sit there and quiz each other, and it's always good times. I love it. And you know, you brought up the old magazines and looking through like the the, the little info things that did they happen? Did they not happen? Or maybe they happen in a different way. And one of the things that I love going through magazines, especially ones before the era where I started buying them in the early 80s, which is the 70s, I like the ads. I love yes. looking at the ads. That's you art. know, the ads back then were oh, so cool. Such attitude to them, too. You know, yeah. just like full-page ads for like even someone like a Frampton, you know, like a Humble Pie record. It would, it would just have some text, a little bit of text, yep. and the logo of the label at the corner and just some cool imagery that kind of stuff to me is really cool i wish somebody would do a book of that you know because i i think that's a lost art as well and it was also it was also like the guitar like the morley guitar pedals and the gibson ads and it was everything man like those magazines it's like you know i sometimes you see um people or females looking through like a cosmopolitan and like oh i i I read this for the ads well yeah same thing because those ads were like you said were so (laughs) great yeah, people don't, you know, that's like the old joke with Playboy, right? I don't, I just, I, I read for the article, I don't get Playboy, <laughs> yeah. right? But yeah, exactly. A lot of those, like, if you look through a lot of those old, uh, you know, let's say hair metal magazines, it wasn't like the, the, the top flight journalism. It was, I was just reading because I'm, I'm a junkie, but the ads were, were great. And I also love, remember those ads for Jim from Nitro, where he would sell those vocal cassettes? How to sing like a high pitched singing? I I've he seen would those. Sell the yes. Oh man, when he breaks the wine glasses, unbelievable. <laughs> so, that kind of so stuff, man. unreal. Yeah, so I like you. Unreal. I mean, I you know, from the seventies, it was Cream and it was Circus. Rock scene was a big one for me because that was most of the New York stuff, and that was great. And then once the eighties started, I moved into the internationals like Krang and Burn from Japan was right. a big one for me, even though I couldn't read Japanese, but they were the best magazines. You read for the ads. Yeah, I read for the <laughs> ads. Um, so yeah, so so you get into writing, right? You, you've done some stuff yeah. like, how do you take from being a fan, how do you use that and utilize that in your interviews? Uh, I think that 
a lot of times when uh, I'm talking about people who get interviewed a lot, I don't mean some hardcore band or, you know, who, you know, some, that doesn't have a publicist or doesn't have a, a, a machine behind them. I'm talking about when you're interviewing someone like Ted Nugent, Gene Simmons, or, or, you know, Ann Wilson, these people get interviewed. They've been interviewing for decades. And I think that what happens is if, if they're, a lot of times, I know. I think this is shitty of them. They don't want to do interviews. I think that's fucking ridiculous. But fine. I think that what happens is once they t- start talking with me and the conversation starts, and they realize that I'm coming from a place of true fandom, of true, uh, you know, deep knowledge of the stuff that they've done, they appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Not just because it strokes their ego. That partly is, yeah, it strokes their ego, but they can also talk shop in a way where it's not, I'm just some like an assignment kind of person. Someone assigned me this and I'm doing this for a gig. Yeah. I really am coming. I'm talking shop with them in a way that they can make some reference to some influence, some obscure influence. And I could get in there with them. Um, and not to pat myself on the back, but I really take pride in that. I can talk to any, you name the, the musician pretty much. I can talk to them on a level where they'll have, a, I'll have the respect at the very least. They can't walk away and go, that guy didn't know what he was talking about. They can say something like, I didn't agree with him, but they can't say, Carlos from X place doesn't know what he's talking about. I know what I'm talking about. No one can tell me that I don't because I know I, I know. Well, that probably so, helps them open up to you a lot that, more and you get more quality exactly. yeah, dialogue between exactly. them. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I, I don't. You know, for example, I, a question I never ask is, so tell me about the new record. I don't, <laughs> right. that to me is just, you know, it, it's, I, I, I get specific. I, I you know, I, I, I really do my best to, to, to stand out a bit because, like I said, there's going to be, if they're doing a press day, they'll have maybe 10 in a row or whatever. And, and a lot of it is, is, is just, you know, monotonous, the same, you know, bio related questions that they got from press release or whatever. Mm-hmm. I really, I try to get their attention sometimes at first with something to just like kind of snap them out of it. Uh, with the last time I bring up Paul Stanley again, uh, the last, like when I said, we talked about Queens, that was one of the first things I brought up. Uh, he wanted to steer it his way because Gene and Paul have their way of doing interviews, which are often very boring because it's a lot of just like, you know, almost new age, like, or Tony Robbins kind of talk. And <laughs> I, I have no, I have no interest in that. I couldn't give a flying fuck about that. You want to live the win, Carlos. Yeah. I want to, de- I want details. Where did you live in Queens? You know what I mean? Like, let's get some intention going. Like, let, let me get, <laughs> you know, tell me, uh, you know, give me something that, you know, I give them something, I, I throw something at them that gets their attention. Yeah. Um, and then we can talk about it. I understand. And I'm respectful to the fact that they want to push their new product. I always try to go back to that, or I always do. But um, it's way more interesting to have a conversation. So what, what helps and, and, and all the stuff I've talked about so far is that that nerdiness of just being so obsessed with the, the, the info, that comes into play when I interview these people because I can talk shop. I can't interview someone about cars because I don't know anything about cars. I can't interview people about tattoos. Even though I'm covered in tattoos, I don't know anything about tattoos. I know about music and I know about, um, you know, movies to, to a certain degree, but it, it, music is especially hard rock, rock, punk, hardcore metal. That's my realm rap. That, that, that's my world. Have you ever, I mean, and I love that approach. Have you ever, you know, like say the night before or something, 
and you have this plan, like this is what I'm going to talk about, and then you get in there and it just it doesn't work. Yes, <laughs> I've interviewed people where they're they're so stuck. Uh, some people, Ted Nugent, I, I, again, I brought him up before. He's in my head because someone was asking me about him the other day. I interviewed him once, and he went off on Barack Obama and blah blah blah, and it went viral. Go but on. Um, he, 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 <laughs> he, he, uh, he's, he's going to talk over you and he's going to, you know, he's, he's, he's not going to, you're not going to win him. You're not going to beat him. Right. So I had all these talking points. I let, I, I kind of put those to the side cause it wasn't going to work and I just let it flow. We, we had a great conversation and, um, I did let him go do his thing. You know, the I'm talking and this is, this is how it's going to be. He wasn't being rude to me. This is just the way he is with everyone. And then once he was finished, I get my points in, which he let me. And it was a great conversation. It was adapting. But I had I had all these things I wanted to ask him about. I wanted to ask him some of those more obscure questions. I wanted to ask him about working with, with um, uh, what's his name, for Bad Company, who recently passed away, um, who, who sang for Ted Nugent on, on a couple of records. Oh, they got I, you know, Max, a of Max Bacon? No, no, no. Um, the guy who sang on the Bad Company records in the 90s when they came back, and they had actually big success, but Paul Rogers, when, when this guy died earlier in the year, uh, kind of didn't give him the respect. And it was a whole okay. thing. Because I think it was the Brian guy. Brian Howe. Sorry, Brian, Brian Howe. Okay, Howe. Brian, Brian Howe. Howe. Brian Howe. Brian Howe sang on two, I think, two Ted Nugent records in the 80s. Not that I'm a, a big fan of Ted Nugent. In all Take honesty, it but easy. I wanted to ask. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not a big Ted Nugent guy. I never have been. Uh, have you sat down? Have, have you listened to yeah. Weekend Warriors? Have you listened to Venom Soup? You know what, Tim? I, 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 I will screen? full disclosure. I probably listened. I probably listened to it once because I felt like I had to, and I didn't go back to it. But I will. I will. I will listen to it again now. Maybe it'll, you know. Sometimes things <laughs> stick with you. You know. Sometimes you revisit things as you get older, and they hit you a different way. You know. That's true. I, I'm going to piss you off. Even Right, I'm gonna piss you off further, Tim. I love the Damn Yankees record. The first oh, one. <laughs> well, Keelan just stepped in. Keelan, what do you what do you think about Damn Yankees? I love the Damn Yankees. See, I told you guys would get along. <laughs> now we had, we had heard you know, and, we had heard from yeah. Chad from Faster Pussycat that damn or the guys from Night Ranger were like the biggest partiers they'd ever been around, right? Yeah, that's what Chad says. Which is so weird. I wouldn't think that, but I guess you can still rock in America. No, they, <laughs> no. No, they always seemed like they were almost like on a yuppie rock, like the way they looked, like they had yeah. mullets. Almost. Yeah, they like, weren't like, like dads. They weren't like, yeah, they were like corporate, like corporate uh, kind of hard rock. Uh, again, not a, not the biggest Night Ranger fan outside of a few songs. Um, but yeah, if you want to talk about Black and Blue and other Gene Simmons, <laughs> uh, you know, House of Lords, you know, we can get into that. We can get into Ken Mary as a drummer. We, there's a lot of things we can get into, but... Uh, <laughs> Ken Mary was yeah. in Alice Cooper for the, a minute. Yeah. So was Al Petrelli. Yes. He was in uh, Sabotage. And <laughs> so we could do this, and I'm sure everyone else there, we can do this for hours. And I would. I really would do that for hours. <laughs> so, all right. So Ted Nugent throws you off your game a little bit, but but you – is, is yeah. there someone that, that, that you didn't want to interview and you walk out of that interview, like, with new respect and a new fan of other than Ted Nugent? <laughs> Um, I interviewed Miley Cyrus once because oh, I was working for yeah AOL uh, at the time had music uh, music division and they had pop obviously you know they were trying to get mass appeal going and I interviewed Miley Cyrus this was before 
she went, you know, like on punk rock or whatever she is now. Yeah. This is before that. But I, I interviewed her. I think she was still doing the Disney stuff. But she was really nice, really. You know, Tim, what I think is for me, as a, especially as a parent, I love people that are younger who are really just respectful and nice and have manners. And mm-hmm. this is a lost thing in this country, especially. And I just remember being very impressed by the way she was. It wasn't like she was, it wasn't like a media train thing where she was like a robot. She was being herself. She was a kid, but she was really cool, really nice. She was asking me about stuff music wise and she was writing it down. Like she was at least engaged. And I remember walking away going, man, she's pretty cool. You know, she's, you know, that was one of those where I was surprised. Like I walked away and I'm like, that was a, a fun conversation, no matter what it was about. Even if I wasn't paid, it was just like a really cool interaction with someone, you know, who was very famous. She was already, you know, huge at the time. Yeah. Um, but I can't think of, I can't think of any like rock examples of that. Usually I, I, I give benefit of the doubt to people. I know some, some musicians that are you know famous who have a bad rap and then I, I meet them and I, I didn't have that experience. So I try to give people that benefit of the doubt, you know? Yeah. Um, I, you know, going back to Gene Simmons, there's people that I know who, who know him, uh, who have worked with him, who, who said, who have said, you know, for the most part, he's a really good guy. And then I've, I've heard other things. So I, I've never spent time with him, you know, and I don't count an interview as spending time with them really. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it is at least some kind of idea of what they're about, you know? Yeah. It's, it's funny because. Stephen, oh, Stephen, Stephen Piercy from Rat. Stephen Piercy from Rat. Mm, not great uh, interactions with him. I, I interviewed him a couple of times. He wasn't wasn't that great. Wasn't that great. Like recently, when he that. should be great and gracious to everyone who wants to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. It's funny. I saw him at Ralph's. I, you know, I live in Sherman Oaks. I went. I would. Uh, uh, I saw him at a Ralph's not too long ago. Um, I didn't say anything to him, but uh, he. This was when he had his book out, and uh, okay, I interviewed wait, him. What? For, I forgot. <laughs> Yeah, his book. Okay. You don't own that? I, no. Of course I do. <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, I interviewed him. For, the last time was for his book, and both before that was when he came out. When they came out with that uh, Roadrunner album, which is Infestation, I interviewed him. And uh, I don't know. Both times, I just walked away like, eh, kind of a dick. But um, you know, I, again, I, I, it was just interviews. I never spent time with him. I will always cop to this, and Keelan knows this. I respect those early rat songs because at a time when those bands were really fluffy and light, they were writing some drop B yeah. heavy riffs. You know what I mean? Even the riff for round yeah. and round. No, not round and round. What's the the second hit they lay, had? Lay it know. down. Lay it down. That riff is rad, dude. It's so good. But you know, it is. I, weird. Yeah, I, I think when Robin Crosby, uh, Robin Crosby, I think he might've been uh, responsible for some of that heaviness, uh, the late Robin Crosby, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love Rat. I don't know much about them. I did sit next to the bass player on a flight home from a festival once, and he uh, he looked like someone's uncle. It was weird. I mean, and he really wanted us to acknowledge that he was the guy in Rat, and no one would do it. Oh, really? But he was a very you mean great... Juan? You mean the original? Yeah, Juan. You mean the original guy, right? Yeah, they Juan. they yeah, played yeah. one of the. I think it was like Rocklahoma or something like that, and we were all on the flight. You know, everyone everyone gets back on the flight together, you know, and I ended up sitting right next to him and he had this like ill-fitting dress shirt over, you know, underneath his ill-fitting suit coat. Like it was weird, man. He looked <laughs> so like he's he, looking good. Yeah, yeah. He looked like some guy that was flying somewhere or flying back Going from a Vegas. job interview. He didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was pretty rough. Nice. But nice guy. Nice guy. Though. Can we talk about, 
can we talk about uh, the the more hard rock uh, slash hair metal leaning festivals? And because I know you've been to way, I mean, I haven't been to many. I've been to like maybe two. But um, uh, can we talk about the the backstage area and just the people hanging around and 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 just the pe- the people watching is one of the most. I, I I'm telling you, if I could do that once every month just for a day, I would be in heaven because, what? and I have to be with Tim, you know, Christian Ambrose. If I'm with Christian Ambrose or, or Bob or one of these guys, I can sit there on a, on a chair, just give me a couple of beers, give me some shaving an umbrella. And I can do like a play by play on everyone that walks through and just give you like, not only can I give you some discography tidbit information, some trivia, yeah. I can also make some commentary on the way they look at the current moment. You guess your it favorite is, band. It is <laughs> pretty much. So much fun. Yeah. There, so there's, much fun. There's a big difference, and Keelan will attest to this because he's been to both. Yeah. There's a big difference yeah. between the backstage at Rocklahoma and then, say, that Cat, Cat House show that was in Irvine Meadows a few years ago, which was another planet. Right. It was like Mars. You know what I mean? I was there with you. I was yeah. there with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I remember that. that Wait was, a minute. So, so that, are you... Are you saying which one is better for you, Tim? Being a, a person who doesn't like hair metal in quotes, which one do you do you enjoy? Well, it's always going to be say like a Rocklahoma or one of those festivals because there's other like Suicidals there or, or you know Anthrax and Frankie and those guys are there. But you know the other one, it, it was weird because I, first of all, where did these people come from that were at that festival? And I'm not talking about the <laughs> bands, like the people that were in the crowd and and backstage like wh- what do they do during the day i don't see them around i mean i, I live in west hollywood a hibernation and shit, yeah. Right? yeah they're not at ralph's they're yeah. not you know what i mean like tim i'll help you yeah they live in the valley they live where i live okay <laughs> maybe i don't know but then you have they, keelan they live in hollywood for sure like like keelan yeah. could you know you could see them say like i don't know name a, a current band like you like that kind of stuff keelan but you don't dressed like that you know what i mean i hope not yeah <laughs> so but you re- that's what you grew up with yeah i grew up with all that hair metal music so i have a fondness for it for sure i have grown out of it in the later years but i still can say i love it hmm. i uh, that that so <laughs> if we could talk about that uh ricky rackman that ricky rackman thing that you know that we were both we were all at that um yes. What was it called? It was the Cat House. Thing. It was, it was cat, the cat House, cat house uh, Live. Yeah. It was I packed, though. I had so much... Oh, I had so much fun backstage. The fact that, you know, I'm... So, I, my good buddy I grew up with, who's a cop back in New York... He's oh, a, shit, I remember he's him. He's a canine cop. Yes. Yeah, Rob. He's a... He's, he's a like a, He works in the bomb unit. So, he, he's like a very, you know... Uh, he works in this very, like, tense world and, you know, terrorism and all this... He couldn't wait to get to California and to have fun. And I'm like, dude, tomorrow we're going to go to the Cat House anniversary. And I got us, you know, I got us in. We're, we're set up. And then when we get in there, I see Tim. And Tim's like, come backstage, man. And then I go back with Tim. And my friend's like, dude, he's like, what, what do you mean we're going backstage? Like, he never, he's never been back. He never worked in the music business. So he's excited about going backstage in the first place. So get back there. The first person we see is is uh, Matt from Sag on Kick, and this is like one of his favorite bands. He almost shat his pants. Like, is that is that Matt Kramer from Sag on Kick? I'm like, yeah, dude, chill. Like it's okay. Like we're gonna see, we're gonna see a lot of guys here. We might see like Jamie St. James here. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Like, Be cool. Hold my hand. Like I'm gonna walk you through this. So we're back there, and I'm seeing like, oh, there, there, there is you know chips enough, and he's like, holy shit, 
it's enough. I gotta, gotta go, I gotta get a photo. And I'm like, okay. So I'm a cameraman all day. And it was so much fun because, you know, they had the revolving stage and the band played their hits. It was like a Dick Clark, you know, review, like from the 60s. It was like a Motown review. It was like, yeah. here comes Saigon Kick. They're going to play four songs. They're going to take them right off the stage. <laughs> um, and it was, it was so much fun because it, it did allow a lot of bands to play. But, it, you know, I love Junkyard. I think they're very, very underrated. They were great and that Junkyard day. played. Yeah. And it was just so much fun. And as much as I make fun of, you know, a lot of these people from the bands, you know I love it. It comes from a place of love. I love that shit. I still love it. No irony in it. I live and die for music. But I always, like, you know, hair metal. I know people don't like that term, but I'll use it today. I, I'm, I'm still a huge fan of that stuff, you know? And I know, Tim, we, we used to, like, sit in our office, and <laughs> I'd play, like, a lick or two on on, on thing. You'd, like, turn that off, and then I'd play, you know, Michael Michael Stanley Band or something. But Oh, Jesus. Happy, but, <laughs> but, uh, the fact that you know that. Yeah, it, it, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Any any blue-collar rock from the Midwest, uh, I'm very intrigued by. But, yeah, I love hair metal. I, I love making fun of it, but it, it's always from a place of love. You know, it's not... I, I like going to, you know, the rainbow and, and people watching. And, and I do do that, Tim. I go, you know, and I'm a, if I'm with my wife, Jenny, who doesn't like that kind of music, she'll be like, what is, like, what is that person? What do you think that person does for a living? What do you, what do you think that person's story is? And I'm like, sometimes she'll point at someone and I'm like, well, that guy used to be on MCA records. Um, his third album was produced by, you know, uh, you know, and, and cause sometimes she doesn't know if they're a musician or not, or, you know, from a big band. So. Yeah. But yeah, but anyway, that cat house thing was so much fun. It, it's two things. Your friend was very nice, and, and I really enjoyed meeting him. And the second thing is, I wish he would have brought one of those bombs from work and, and <laughs> placed it before uh, Extreme went on stage. <laughs> Some real-life pyro, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Keelan, Keelan has a funny story because he got his picture. You were there with Gilby, right? Yeah, I was. <laughs> so, so I just want to drop that name for you. And, For me, I, you don't yeah. have to drop anything. Um, <laughs> but you're getting your photo with Ace Fraley, and, and what was going on? Uh, I just remember I I got there really late because it was my grandfather's 80th birthday, so I made it just in time for the Ace Fraley surprise guest thing that was happening at the very end after Extreme played. And when I got there, Gilby had just started teaching Ace how to play rock and roll all night on guitar. <laughs> and the and the oh my god, and the, they got like little trailer. Um, you know, green rooms for each band in the back. And so it's tiny. And yet everyone that's fucking back there wants to watch them practice. It was, it was like three Kiss songs. And so like you had uh, Evan from Biohazard in the room. Uh, I don't know. There was a bunch of dudes. So I didn't want to be one of those assholes. So I was very far back. But I did make sure like, I don't, that's one of the people I want to get a photo with for sure. There's only a handful in my life that I care about, but Ace is one of them. And the whole time that I was try like kind of getting introduced to him, he's like, "Where's my money?" You could probably do a better Ace impression, but he's like, "Where's my money?" And then, so in the photo, you could see his eyes are looking towards uh, someone else. Uh, yeah, <laughs> whoever is someone asking. else. And yeah. he, uh, so I, that was just kind of funny because, like, for one, Ace is totally like Tim said it better before that Ace is one of those people that are. Uh, just live for himself like he doesn't care about the girlfriend doesn't care about the band members if he wants to be late he'll be late like he doesn't give a fuck about the fans i mean, uh 
do you agree, Tim? Is that like kind of I, I what agree. you think? I agree. To an extent, like don't get me wrong. Like he knows that the fans are the reason he's still able to play, but yeah, he's not that interested in talking to anybody. It's a check. I mean, and it's funny too because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little upset. But like during that cat house thing, you're backstage, and it, it, I'm gonna be honest, it's a series of of washed up people that were in bands, right? And Ace is one of those people as well. <laughs> But he still stood out when he walked back there. Like you, those guys from Kiss, they look like they're from a different planet. They look, their their heads are fucking huge. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> it, it's they, they do have big heads. Everyone right? in Kiss, maybe like, not Peter. Peter did too, though. And, yeah. and regardless of their stature, like Paul Stanley, six one, but his head is three foot. Like you, you it's built true. different. Yeah. <laughs> Roger from American Dad with the wig on. Yeah, dude. Yes. It's so weird when you see him in person. <laughs> but even Ace, like, so you're seeing all these guys and guys that I can't even believe made it through the sun that day. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> And then Ace comes walking through, and it's like, fuck, there he is. I mean, yeah, he's a loser, and he's washed up, but look at there he is. And and all those bands that played that, that it was more than one night, right? But whoever was there in the backstage, everyone knows Ace is there, and everyone wants to go straight to him. It becomes a little ridiculous, mm-hmm. and you would think everyone would be aware of, like, you know, everyone relax. Yeah. But everyone goes fucking crazy when a certain person, it does take a person like Kiss, Jagger, maybe Aerosmith, um, yeah. you know, that... People just lose it. Yeah, when I worked with the Stones. Yeah, that's always that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's always interesting. And like I, I'm one of them. Turn its head. I uh, uh, I know Tim, you were gonna say something. Oh no, I was just gonna say, you know, the first time like I saw, you know, Mick and Keith walk in the room, right. it, it might as well have been George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Absolutely, because you know I mean? it's these people you just see your whole life, and then you're yeah. working with them, and you see them walk in the room, you're like, holy fuck. Well, how about yeah. how about the one night I was I work at a restaurant called Delilah in Hollywood. It's kind of like a, a nightclub-y vibe. And it was a Tuesday night, and so it's like dead. There was maybe six tables, and it was just, we opened up at like 7 o'clock. It might have been 8. And I'm standing by the host stand, not doing my job. And Paul Stanley walks through the curtain, and I immediately lost it. Literally, like, you, you see that in, like, TV shows or, you know, you don't think it's real. I went, I went, <laughs> and he laughed. I mean, as as arrogant as he, he might be. Balls. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, at that, give you a pat on the head. <laughs> I w- I probably would have stood there stiff, <laughs> very stiff. <laughs> but so stiff. Uh, I I walked out. I had to walk out of the restaurant for 15 minutes and called Tim and called my mom and everyone else in the restaurant. I was like, he must be some old rock star because Keelan's freaking out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> everyone else didn't know who he was. That's amazing. Yeah, it's th- it's something to see him in real life in the wild. So you know what the worst thing is uh, on the on the flip side. So everyone in there is acting like a giddy little girl because Ace Frehley is trying to learn a song that he played on, which is sad. But yes, um, oh, yeah. what's sadder to me? What's sadder is when I was leaving the parking lot and I'm going back to my car and I'm seeing guys who just played the show get in their cars and I have a better car than them. Oh. That to me, <laughs> right? That kind of, yeah. That, that goes back to when I was a kid and when I said before, if you released a record on Atlantic Records or Epic or whatever, I thought you were a millionaire. Like, yeah. that's it. Yeah. If you're signed, you're a millionaire. I was so immature. Like, when I see people, you know, from, from like, let's say, you know, uh, Dokken, and they're getting into a Honda that's, like, you know, <laughs> older than mine, I'm like, fuck. Carl, you know? just make you feel like, man, I made the right career move. Like, right. I'm oh. balling, dude. <laughs> yeah. well, driving a Range Rover. <laughs> I wonder that myself sometimes. Like, did they spend the money wisely, or did they ever even have any they money? They didn't have or... it because they signed that record contract, so they didn't oh, get yeah. anything really. You know what I mean? For I, the most part, we've we've all heard the horror stories where they didn't read the contract, and uh, like to this day, they don't make anything off the music that's yeah. out there. It's just set up for no. you to lose. It's set up for lo- I yeah. think, I, and I think another thing that. Uh, um, 
I've learned is and from being friends with people who have been in bands who have had, actually had some hits, a, a lot of people overextended themselves, you know? They, they, they thought the money was going to keep on coming, and, and then yeah. they got into situations where they, they had to, like, sell, they were foreclosed on, or, you know, they bought a house on, you know, in here in L.A., and then they bought a house in maybe in Florida, wherever. And they were, you know divorces just bad just immature yeah. just immature yeah. not you know they're thinking that the party was going to continue and then it only lasts for a few years really truly like mm-hmm. i brought up doc and doc and doc and were successful commercially only for a handful of years truly you know I, the rest has been blue collar grinding it out <laughs> i i read an article oh, today Tim, <laughs> I didn't think anyone heard that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I read an article today that uh, like current yeah. songwriters that have number one hits on the radio are driving Uber right now. Really? And they use this girl as an example. She just wrote a song for, I want to say it was like one of the rappers, like Diplo or something like that. She wrote a song that's number one in the charts with the number one album, and she's driving for Uber. Wow. Well, and then her hit comes yeah. on the radio, and she's like, that's me. <laughs> it's all the streaming stuff. Yeah, I don't pay attention as much, but I think now, like, the charts, and Carlos, you probably know this, they include YouTube yeah. and all that kind of stuff, so there is no money. It's not monetized at all. You could have number one song, mm-hmm. and because yeah. it's streaming and YouTube, there's yeah. there's no money. The artists to this day only make money off yeah. if they're touring constantly and selling merchandise at their tables, but when they're sitting at home, there's no money coming in. Yeah. So crazy. How about this? How about this? How about people who were in bands back? I'm gonna, sorry, Tim. Going back to the the Sunset Strip era and that those bands, guys in those bands who were you know locally the big shots. You know they were in the big hot band of, of the strip of the era, but never made it right. Mm-hmm. And most famously would be Odin in the Metal Years documentary. <laughs> so Aaron from Odin is a successful real estate guy out wow. here in the valley. So wow. he's successful dude you know doing well in his life and has probably got great retirement set up and he's not worried about anything he doesn't have to worry about any you know if he plays in odin to do it on the weekend it's fun for him and then you know and some of the guys who were that he would have killed for like killed to be in their position back then are now struggling you know what i mean so yeah it's it's interesting it's completely flipped over like you have like greg jafria who owns so much publishing on all the machines in las vegas all the music on those Guys right. like a king now has so much money. Yeah. And meanwhile, the other guys have horrible wigs that were an angel. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they're on, and then they're on Eddie Trunk's show saying, you know, we want to go back and, and do the whole full production with the white costumes, but you know, some people don't want to do it. Some people are being Greg. Why? Because he's like, I'm 70 years old. I'm not gonna put on that white suit and look like an idiot. Right. I'm a millionaire. I don't need to do that. You know, wow. it was fun. Yeah, you know, it was an experience, and I, I cherish it, but I don't need to do that right now. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> so, exactly. I'm, I mean, I've heard like the guys in Warrant, you know, like uh, I think uh, one of them still works for Pearl Drums, and uh, like one of them is an electrician. So they're like one the, of them is dead. Yeah, the the one that had the, any money in the band is dead because he wrote the songs. But uh, right, right. It, it's just funny, you know. They're like, oh yeah, we're the ones that wrote or you know played Cherry Pie. That was that everyone knows, and yet let me uh you know fix your lights in your house today. <laughs> what if it came on like the oldest right, radio right. station? Like, hey, oh, that's, that's me. me. Yeah. Oh, I, if you know it's happened. <laughs> that's so great. I love it. It's a bummer. Like I yeah. I wonder for people like t- that are doing great today, like uh, Harry Styles or Justin Bieber or Miley Cyrus. Like I know they're well off now, but do they have financial vi- advisors always saying like you're putting millions into property or stocks or something because 
you're not going to be this character forever. It, it could be next year. How about like Nicki Minaj was this hot thing and then Cardi B came in and now no one talks about Nicki Minaj. Like her money's going to dry up I, at some point. Nicki Minaj. I, <laughs> yeah, what, what, what I think is that now in 2020, there's so much that they can look on on history you know, so like Kiss and, and that era of, of musician, they didn't have really anything to go on. Bands didn't last more than two, two, three years back then. Yeah. So now I think people could look back and go, oh, look what happened to so-and-so. They used to be hot and they made all this money and then they got into, uh, you know, bankruptcy. So I think now they have a lot of history to kind of point at and go, oh, right. see what could happen to you, you know? Well, I was or waiting for Bieber people, to be like the new Leaf Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> wasn't Bieber, wasn't Lee Garrett like the Bieber of the time? But you know he got into. Well, yeah, he wasn't as big. I mean, was he not as big? It was yeah, like a hot second. People like Miley and Bieber and Harry Styles, like th- those are celebrities. That's you know well, what I mean? it's the TMZ. Right. That's what keeps yeah. the keeps the lifestyle going for them. Is look at what they're doing at um, you know Jersey Mike's today or whatever something yeah. ridiculous that we shouldn't care about. I mean, like even Cher, who was so big in the seventies, you know what I mean? It was a celebrity thing because her albums didn't sell shit after like dark lady right. after right. that the, i mean there was right. probably 12 of them in the in the late 70s she even did a rock a rock band black rose you know what i mean Which that's gene simmons is on that record that was when they were dating yeah and and it's just like it she never sold albums until she had that other horrible hit with all the auto tunes so she was a celebrity <laughs> when, 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 uh-huh. when she started working with john kaladner yes is when exactly uh, that makes that sense well uh, she was, yeah, was the but, one that dated yeah. celebrities all the time too right like that's part of the celebrity yeah. thing, keeping you she know her name in the presses. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so yeah. so when you have that kind of stuff, you just never know because people are famous for being famous. You know, in the seventies, you had Jimmy yeah. and Christy McNichol. You know what I mean? And then today you have, and, and I, and like I'll, I'll tell you a couple. Like they must eat babies, and and they can get these free passes. It's Chrissy Teigen and her husband, because I see them on cereal boxes, like. This this lady looks like the goddamn hamburglar, and I'm supposed to believe like she's some fucking beauty that I have to see everywhere I go. Like, I mean, is she some satanic cult member that is? You're like cast somebody's somebody's lying to us here. Yeah, but it's the same thing. You see these sometimes these people just get in these systems and they're just yeah. celebrities. And once they get in it, which is hard to do, but once you do get in it, you're set. Yeah, it's bullshit all the time. Chrissy wants to be a host on a game show or whatever. It could be all, yeah. whatever it is. She's gonna make millions for a. For a long time, <laughs> but just don't tell me she's this beautiful woman. Oh, don't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she, if you see always sunny, where the girl's slowly turning into a cat woman. Yeah, that's her. <laughs> I'm sorry, Carlos. What? Tim, you grew up. You grew up with the the the. Not that you were a fan of this stuff, obviously, knowing you, but the Sean Cassidy and yeah. the Cassidys and the Van Pattens and and uh, these legacy families, and it was like here's a, or, or the Osmonds, here's another one, okay. you know? And they're gonna, they, and they would feature them like they were a new product. Here's a new one, you yes, know, like the, yes. the new kid, or the Jacksons, you know, here's Janet Jackson. And yeah. they did the Kiss you know? thing a little bit, right? Dolls and stuff with Kiss, the Osmonds. Kiss fell that. into that a little bit. It was all under that, and Carlos, you know, the 16 magazine, which yeah. goes back to that kind yeah, of yeah. journalism. That's the the exact 180 from Cream magazine where they're they're really being honest, like 16 was just press releases from, from press agents. Oh, this is great. Yeah. Oh, the elder is going to be as big as the wall by Pink Floyd. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. And, or yeah. even after it flops, <laughs> Oh, the elder was as big as the wall by Pink Floyd. Cause well, you know, you told me that like bands with bands like kiss with, uh, ship platinum amounts of records before they're even sold. Yeah. And so it was a facade and hoping that they would actually bite and people would buy yeah. it. And sometimes you said they'd have to send them back. Love Gun was certified platinum before they were done recording it. That's insane. How does so, that work? You couldn't do it today. No, you can't do it. Yes. 
Tim, how about that, that old like, industry joke? It was like, it should platinum, but it came back double platinum. <laughs> exactly. Hey, that's, platinum. That's, that's That's the Kiss solo album. <laughs> Ship platinum and return. To, <laughs> so yeah, so then you have the 30 and 90 day return. That's the whole thing. Yeah, um, it's interesting stuff, though. Tim, yes. Tim, uh, is, is Paul, Paul Stanley the best solo record, right? From the Paul Stanley, yes. Everyone's going to say he's Fraley, but it's not. There's a lot of filler on there, and Paul Stanley right. is, is just perfect, except for Hold Me, Touch Me. But yes. From that Peter song Chris on, is, except for Love and Change. Yes. Yes. Peter Chris is... There's two the songs Peter, I like, but yeah. Those albums are great. I mean, Carlos, listen. Peter, I'm going to tell you something. You know, I, I'm going to tell you yeah. what a nerd I am. When I was down, because yeah. I, I had a couple... Nerd! I had a couple surgeries last year, so I, I spent a lot of time at home. I couldn't do anything. I just reimagined the Kiss catalog. I made albums I didn't make or should have made. I just did the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Then I did it with the Beatles. I did it with Cheap Trick. So my whole my whole album collection now, like my like my iTunes, they're all my own albums, my own album covers, just the way I wanted it. Because they really, Kiss was the easiest thing that could have been massive, and they fucked it up after the second year. And so with the solo albums, what? And so, so the solo <laughs> albums, they should have made one album, like their white album, and just put them together of the best songs, and it, it would have been glorious. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's a great album. Do you, uh, I, you know, someone, and, and you made fun of me a lot through the years as, as being, I, I'm into, I'm into too many things that you think are horrible, and I, I own that. Like I'll say, yeah, I, I get why you think that's garbage. I will say the Peter Chris albums after that, the ones on the majors, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the ones after He Loved Kiss are horrendous. They're unlistenable. Yes. They're fucking unlistenable. Just looking at the covers, I could tell you that. Oh, my God. They're, they're bad. With, like, yeah. the half makeup, half long, metal-y looking hair. Oh, that was the that, older stuff. Oh, yeah. Bad. Yeah. There, there was one. I think Vinnie Vincent had a song. His second album that was Japanese only had a song yeah. that Vinnie Vincent wrote and Gene Simmons wrote. And they weren't even in a band together. No. So weird. Funny how that worked. That family, like, I was thinking about that when I look at, like, 89 Paul Stanley solo shows. He does, he references Ace, like, he even plays New York Groove. I'm like, those guys still were in communication with each other. It's not like the band broke up and everyone's like, fuck you. Yeah. Behind the scenes, it was probably like, not texting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, once in a while, probably catching up. I don't know how it worked, but in the media, they want you to think they were all hating each other. Yeah. yeah. Well, Carlos, you really like those 80s kiss rockers, and so do you, Keelan, right? Yeah. I like I like the, the I, singles. I love, I love it, yes. Yeah, I do. Uh, it, they're funny to make fun of Paul's moves and everything. <laughs> I, I I saw Kiss in Cleveland from the Alive tour every time, and then when Crazy Nights came out, I got an advance of it. I listened to it once. I smashed the cassette. They came aggressive. They they came, and I decided to go see the Manimals instead. It's the only time I didn't see Kiss. I've heard from, they're a good band. I was like, I can't even see this, you know. And the rest is history. And the rest is history. <laughs> history. <laughs> so you didn't like you didn't like Creatures of the Night, even. I did like Creatures of the Night. That, that album actually, okay. I loved it. it. It blew me away. I loved Lick It Up. I think I like all of those records except for Crazy Nights. When it, yeah, when it got into the real poppy stuff, Crazy Nights and then Animal Lies, right? Uh, yeah. you, those mm-hmm. two were probably the same. I liked uh, some of the Animal All the Kulik <laughs> stuff. That shit's Kulikly. But I hated I hated Revenge. I'll tell you that, Carlos. It's overrated. I like Revenge. The production on it's killer. I think it's overrated. Yeah, it's way overrated. There's some good stuff. Uh, Creatures (laughs) has some filler, but but there's a lot of no, you're wrong. There's (laughs) there's a lot of filler on Revenge, man. A lot. Um, so let me ask you this. You grew up in Queens, right? And is your first show, is it at like is it in Long Island? Do you go to a club? Is it a, is it an arena show? Like, what's the first show you see? The, 
the first concert, you know, call it a concert like like a parent would. What concert are you going to? Yes. Um, <laughs> the first concert I went to was Menudo. Wow. Ooh, okay. Nice. Tasty. And yeah. that was 1981. I was six years old, so you got to, you know, it was Menudo. And, um, <laughs> and, and then uh, I saw Michael Jackson with the Jacksons. Nice. After nice. that. And that then the first, time. first. Yeah, then the first rock concert I saw in a, you know it was an arena of course because too young to go to club. It was um, it was Kiss, and then the first club show I went to was uh, it was at Lemoore in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. which is very famous if you're from New York. And I saw Testament there mm. with Violence, I want to say, and someone else. It was a Megaforce type package tour. Um, so it was, yeah, that was my first club show. And then the first, my first CB show was Sick of It All uh, before they had a record out. And that was probably like 88, 89. And uh, yeah, so I saw all the classic, you know, first shows were at the Garden, uh, MSG, CB's, Lemoor. Those are like, the, that's a trifecta for me. And then I did go to a lot of Long Island shows, Nassau Coliseum. Uh, I saw, you know, through the years, I saw Kiss there. I saw Ozzy, you know, Metallica with Ozzy. So, yeah, I, I went to all the classics of, you know, the New York area. I went to some Jersey shows, Meadowlands. I went to Monsters of Rock with Metallica, Doc, and Scorpions, Kingdom Come. And I love Kingdom Come. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> I was just going to make a them. joke. God damn it. They were the Greta Von Fleet <laughs> of the 80s. <laughs> they were. They were the Greta Van Fleet of the 80s. Nice one. God damn you. God damn you all. <laughs> that was Keelan. That was, no, that was, it was me. Great. The, you said you knew, all the, you knew all the Gene Simmons bands, right? You said you brought Black and Blue and all that crap. Did you, did yeah, you ever hear Rage and all that? Easy Sil- there you go. You said Silent Rage. That's what I was going to oh. joke about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, EJ's Rage. abs. <laughs> yep, uh, yep, yep. Uh, EJ Curse, right? Yes. What kind of thing? Last concert I went to, I went to Kiss with EJ. Um, but that song, what was the song with the video? Uh, <laughs> Uh, Rebel without Rebel with a cause. <laughs> Probably Rebel without a clue. Yeah, <laughs> the album, the album was called "Don't Touch Me There," right? And it was a, yeah. it was a torso. It was and like it's, a all, torso. it's all easy. And, I was, I would get to, yeah. and I'd be like, I, I, "No problem, dude. I'm not going to touch you there. Don't worry about it." You know, um, you, you may find him yeah, at Universal as that, Hercules. <laughs> really? Yeah. He plays, oh, really? He plays Dracula, <laughs> Hercules, and one of the mummies in front of the mummy ride. That's hilarious. oh my god. That's the kind of that's the kind of thing I live for. Thank you. Yeah. That's the kind of thing I live for. It's a compliment Thank to him. You. He he finds he that's finds work. Trivia. Your wife's gonna be like, "Why do we keep oh, going to Universal?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my kids. Dad, uh, yeah. this is kind of boring. Played out. No, no. Wait, I want to think I'm No, trust me. It's the mummy. Um, it's the mummy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, the Gene Simmons produced, or we say produced. Let's be honest. How, I mean, how often was he in the studio uh, when those records are being made? But all right. Uh, from the Simmons Records stable, you know the different because he he bought it back at one point. I will say my favorite band was EZO. Very good. That's. That is a great band from Japan. I saw them live once. They were actually really good. Yeah, it's all, a good record. All those bands are in the vault, right? In the Gene Simmons vault. No, I mean so, that band you just mentioned. They they have a song. On, I was going to say because they used to play on his demos. Okay, so yeah. a, anything with a full band is usually those guys. Yeah. Which um, band? Sil- which band? Silent Rage definitely has. Yeah, some Silent stuff Rage. In there. Those guys, like all of his demos oh, okay, from okay. like Carnival of Souls. Those guys are playing on those demos oh, yeah. for the most part. Yeah. I didn't know, but it makes sense to like throw all his all his work into the vault i mean it's all his stuff his his best work as a producer for me 
um, would be the Wendy O. Williams album. I know what you're saying. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, that album's yeah. unbelievable. Well, and it might be a rumor. It's all Kiss anyway. That I heard from you, but yeah. I, I heard it somewhere where Gene Simmons would find bands that were up and coming and take over so that he could bury them so that there was no competition for Kiss. Well, he would do that. Like, he, he got, you know, because he get a finder's fee. So, like, with Angel, he yeah. signed, he got them signed to Casablanca and then turned around and said, Where's my money? They're never going to open for us ever. And then, oh. you know, that's all that band needed was to do one tour with Kiss. And they mm. would have they would have gone. But oh, yeah. Like, yeah, they're not going to. Yeah. Damn. So, I mean, David Lee Roth, especially when it came to Van Halen, was key in cutting that. And just, you know, that's how Van Halen got to go on and do their thing. I think if Paul Stanley would have ended up producing... Uh, appetite for destruction. I don't think Guns N' Roses would be what they are. Mm. <laughs> True. No. They did demos with Paul, yeah. and it was very, uh, very kissified. Like the choruses were big, poppy. So that would have been a whole different band. He produced an album that I absolutely. It's still one of my Desert Island discs. It's a band called New England from New England. Oh, shocking! <laughs> but it, it's a great album, man. Oh, so good. Hey, <laughs> that that probably is. Of all the Gene Simmons produced stuff, that probably is the closest he ever had to a hit with with the single, right, on that record. Which one? The right, the New England. Did, did he? Or, or, yeah, did he produce the one with with uh, Never Gonna Lose You, or did yes. Paul produce that one? Paul produced that one, but that was the song. That was so, a, that was a pretty it, minor hit, but it was great. It's a perfect song. It's absolutely yeah. perfect. I would say, I would say, in terms of radio, that was probably the the closest they got to an actual hit, you know, with their production work. I think if I'm. Yeah, I, I would just, say you're right I'll, on that. Yeah, for sure. Because that was a, a regional kind of thing. I, you know, that was big in certain markets, that song. It's a great song. Yeah. You know what's a great song, Tim, that I, I remember we used to talk about this band? Um, Cherry Baby from Stars. Stars was a great band. I mean, you know what? Kiss would be a lot even bigger than they were if they wrote songs as good as Stars. And everyone's going to hate me for that, but I stand by that. Have you um, seen that new book that yeah. just came out? It's about Kiss, Cheap Trick. Aerosmith and Stars. Yeah, my brother was telling me about that. Is there some guy like, hey, I'm going to yeah. write a book about my favorite bands. Yeah, I, that's what I don't understand. Uh, but I've heard about it. I, and But Stars is what stuck out to me because I'm like, that's one band no one ever talks about. Yeah, I, I, I get books. And Carlos, I, I, I have it already. What course, do you think? I haven't read it yet. So not that great. I'm going, I, uh, <laughs> no, no, I, have, I, 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 you know what I do with certain books? Like I just put them aside. I'm like, I'm going to savor this one. I'm going to wait a little bit. Oh, yeah. I'm also actually reading. I'm reading two other books at the time right now. I'm reading a the Peter Frampton book, and I'm reading the the Rob Halford book finally. So, oh. but I'm going to get to that uh, Stars one because anything on Stars to me, like that kind of trivia, I live for because you know I know the just like the bullet points on them. But the singer of Stars, I saw some YouTube footage from some convention, and he looks terrible. Oh, he's, he's like, like 500, 500 pounds. pounds. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like Jabba the Hutt up there with and, and he's singing stars, and it's 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 bad. But I know. I can think of a super group. Brother is like super good looking. Oh, dude, his brother was one what of those guys that? we talked about earlier that were like the Ames family, and that like Rex Smith was everywhere in the seventies. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was so proper guy, right? Yeah, and he was also wasn't he? Um, what did what was the show in the eighties? He was on Auto Man or. Where yes, he was like a Very, superhero. It was like Bicenten not Bicentennial Man. That was the guy who killed himself. That's Robin Williams. Great movie. Um, yeah, great. That's probably great not. Guy. Great um, guy. Yeah, but you're right. Super funny. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Right? Yeah, when, yeah. When it comes to, like, I'm sure everyone has their, their favorite books. Um, like, like when it comes to music books. You know, mine, everyone talks about Dave Marsh books like Keith Moon and that. I mean, I love ACDC Maximum Rock and Roll. I don't know if you guys have ever read that great. book. I mean, if, you, it, yeah, if yeah. you're in a touring band and you want to read a book about what that band went through to get to where they are and what they deserve, that's a great book. Um, 
How about you, Carlos? Do you got any that you like? You know, one that I, I, I kind of keeping in the topic of maybe maybe stuff that's not like everyone talks about uh, uh, Hammer of is it uh, Hammer, Hammer of the Gods? Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, the book. But to, to pick something more obscure, and if someone's listening and, and, and they're really into, like just cool trivia and cool like something more obscure, believe it or not, the drummer from that band Semisonic, who had that song Closing Time. The drummer from Semisonic, or Semisonic, however you pronounce it, uh, he wrote a book about his experience being a Semisonic and how they went from obscurity to having huge success with radio and then not having success. That Semisonic book is super cool. You really? don't have to like the band. I'm not a big fan of it. It's so oh, I love it's them, so interesting. Do you? Well, it's super <laughs> interesting. Top five. And it's super, it's just like, you know, if you love how, you know, record company behind the scenes stuff yeah. and touring and, and the realistic, he doesn't pull punches. Like, it's super realistic. Like, this is how much we made during this. This is how much, you know, the guarantee was. This is what happened. You know, I love stuff like that. So the yeah. Semisonic book, I think it's called, if you want to, so you want to be a rock star, I think it's called. He didn't call it closing called time. That, but <laughs> no, he didn't call it closing time. Is that the last chapter at least? Uh, right. Chapter 13, no, closing time. No, but, yeah. I love that last. book. Um, you, know what, you know what are terrible books? And and I, 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 I hopefully don't offend anyone in the in the room, or you might you guys might know some of the people behind these books. Some of the newer Kiss books are terrible. They're all terrible. <laughs> There's three good Kiss books. Anything Ken Sharp does is great. Oh, of course. The cheap but trick. But the I cheap get trick them book. all because I, they, they can they can announce a book on the making of Asylum, and I'll buy it. Uh, that's how sick I am. But I'm telling you, some of those books are horrendous. I mean, they're fucking. I like terrible. take it they're off. Terribly written. <laughs> Dude, I just bought a book about Kiss Me the Phantom because I love all of, you know what I mean? Like, I have. It's the worst book I ever read in my life. Like, I don't know who this guy who wrote it and, like, took 20 years to write it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so embarrassing. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> right? I couldn't it's believe terrible. what I was reading. Terrible. I'm going to spend 20 years it's fucking terrible. this up. <laughs> I hate when people, like, will put, like, they'll put, like, an abbreviation and then after the abbreviation, they'll, they'll type what it stands for. I'm like, just say what it is then. Yeah. I don't need both. You know what I mean? Yeah. What the fuck? That's all you over know, that book. You know what else? Uh, uh, Tim, sorry, I'm going to bring him up, bring him up again. I, I bought a Dokken book this year, cool. and you probably think to yourself, well, you deserve you deserve it then. Why would you buy a book on Dokken? But I bought a book on Dokken because I love Dokken, and it was, I, I'm telling you, I, I pride myself on finishing books. I couldn't finish it. Dude, it was so well, fucking terrible. Okay, who who sits down at their computer yeah. and is like, all right, I'm going to start my book on Dokken. <laughs> Cracks their knuckles and, you know. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's gonna be bad, Is right? Is it called Rockin' with Dawkins? Yeah, right. Ew. I will say, uh, uh, spray paint the ball, uh, the balls, the balls. Wow. Spray paint the walls. The Black Flag book by Stevie <laughs> Chick is really good too. That's a, that's a great book. Yeah. So I, I would say, if any bands want to go on tour, you read that ACDC book and that Black Flag book, and then you get an idea of what you're really in for. Unless you got tour support, because if you don't have tour support, read those two books, and they'll tell you what's up. So, yeah, the Johnny Ramone book was good. You know, Scott Ian book was, I thought was good, although I was there for a the lot of that. One. Yeah, the first one. There's a lot, though. Yeah. I can't even say it. I, I can't get oh, it. The, 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 the Paul Stanley second book is terrible. That's, that's his, exactly what I was going to say. His first book is one of the best things he ever did. It actually brought me to tears a couple times. Oh, wow. He was talking about his me ear too. a little too much, though. Yeah. If he could not talk about his ear in every yeah. chapter, then everything else about it, I thought was perfect. Yeah, it, it, you know, he, the way he described having kids, because I, at that point, and I'm gonna be honest with you, when I was reading that chapter, and he's talking about, I think he was speeding to like Cedar Sinai or something, and 
I realize I'm never going to have a child. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I may have children, but I'll never have a child <laughs> that I know of. You know what I mean? I'll, never, I be, I I'll never be a father. And it really hit me, dude. Like, uh, yeah. I was yeah. like, I went to my lady and I wanted to read it to her and she wouldn't listen. I'm like, ah, that's why I don't have fucking kids. Right. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I liked uh, John Lydon's Rotten. Okay. No, I had a lot of fun good? reading that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What about mm. you, Damien? What do you read? Do you know how to read? Um, <laughs> I haven't learned yet, so I'm not really sure. Does Harry Potter count? <laughs> well, just music books because it, it is a good market right now. I mean, it's exciting. But then you're telling me there's a docking book. You're telling me this drummer from Semisonic. <laughs> I know the guy from Five Finger, the drummer dresses like a skeleton, had a book. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> there are some stories that just need to be told. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's called Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> right? Tim, when I, when I get those books in the mail, whether they're sent to me for free, you know, by a publicist or I. I most of the time, I get it from Amazon. Yeah. Honestly, Jenny, you know, my wife will will go. What is that? And I'll, and I'll say. Sometimes I, I get embarrassed. I kind of try to hide it. I'm like, oh, it's um, it's a manual. Yeah, it's just porn. It's like, no, what is it? What is it? Uh, it's Sebastian Bach's second book. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, Do you have IBS? Are you always in the bathroom reading these books? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, Are you really? Are you? Um, this is a true story. We went on, I always bring books on vacation, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people do that. So I'm, I have a, I'm going, we're going down to the, we're in Vegas actually. And I'm go, we're going down to the pool, which I hate doing that. I fucking hate like pools in Vegas. The people that go there are mutants, but she's like, let's go to the pool. I'm like, all right, let's go. So I'm getting my book ready. And she's like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's this book I just got. And she goes, what is it? It's, I don't want to show her. She goes, let me see it. Like a, like a parent to a little kid. It was, the, it was the book. By Bobby Brown of Warren Cherry Pie fame. Oh my God, it's so amazing, dude. She's like Carlos. Carlos, how are you reading that? I'm like, I'm reading it, and I'm gonna enjoy every second. <laughs> yep, just set it on your little stand next to your while you're sunning yourself, so everyone sees it. <laughs> but this is why you have the knowledge you have. So, yeah, I mean, you dig deep, man. Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's do the, Let's go around the room. Like, let's start with you, Carlos. Like, what book hasn't been written? Like, by who? Like, what biography or autobiography would you want to read? Billy Joel, my all-time favorite oh, of all time. Oh my god, just the Attila years. I forgot about that. Yeah, that that be that be a chapter at least. Billy Joel is my all-time favorite singer-songwriter. I worship him. I know everything about him. I love him. I I have books on him already, but I would love to hear it in his own words. I would love to you know read it in his own words. Would you read it but like Billy we Joel, don't start the fire? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like fast. Yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, in terms of rock, in terms of metal, hard rock kind of uh, arena, uh, you know. I don't know if, if, if this guy would be open to doing something like this because he's very guarded, but I would love to read James Hetfield's story, mm. you know, because he had a really weird upbringing. Yeah. Maybe he would be one of the people. Everyone else, it seems like, you know, have books on them or written books like, uh, uh, you know, the Kiss guys would have been definitely, but they've all done them. You know what I would read, but the thing is he, would, he wouldn't be truthful. Vinny Vincent. I would love to read his book. That would be a good but book. But he would be... It'd be it would be it would be all lies though. I mean, yeah. he's completely out of his mind, you know. Yeah, for sure. Or she's out of her mind. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Keelan? Uh, I don't know. Everyone, everyone's that got a story to tell. I feel like they've all made a book in the last few years. There was someone I feel like I told you hasn't written a book yet in the past month or two. I can't. I was trying to think who I said, but it it blinks me. There, the book that I actually love right now, uh, it's not even a musicians. It's. Uh, all you need to know about the music business, and they update it like every yeah. five to ten years because it changes it daily. Yeah, but there's so much. Yeah. There's like you. I read. Not only do I read the musicians' 
stories because they're fun and entertaining, but I want to know their hardships of how hard it was getting into the industry or uh, the fun of it. And I want to know everything. Uh, I want to hear the good and the bad. But with this book, I like because the book is, um, it tells you what, how you break down getting into it, who you need to know, who you need to talk to, what you're going to make. Um, like the new one talks about streaming and uh, it's cool to see a, the real boring in-depth stuff um, through that book because it those guys aren't going to be truthful. Yeah, it lays it out. It lays it out because like if, if say like Paul Stanley, someone had a hard time, uh, you don't know if you're going to get the truth. Yep. So like this one just tells you like, hey, these people are the ones that are going to screw you and this is how they're going to do it and this is what you need to watch out for. And um, I don't know. You, you know the book. I don't know if you guys have read it. but uh, If you're in a band and you haven't read Donald, it, the, you should read it. Yeah, the, the I, Donald Passman book, right? You're yeah, about? yeah, yeah. I've, I've, yeah, I read yeah. through it all the time. I have one that I have all my notes and bookmarks in and then I have another one that I don't want to touch at all. So it's really important. It's a Bible for musicians. It would be funny if it was actually like some psyop and it was actually the record labels that got together and they wrote this fake book. No, because oh God, fuck yeah. everyone over. <laughs> it's Suck on that. Yeah. Put all your money into ads. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. uh, you pay the record labels everything. For me, it's obviously Mike Muir. I would love oh, to read yeah. a book by Mike. Um, Son of a bitch. But we're trying to tell a story anyway, so. Why, is that what you're going to say? Yeah. I was going to say that just because I don't, like, but like you said, it's coming. Some yeah. The story yeah. is coming. The story's coming. I would love Does, to read something on Pokey Lafarge. That guy, yeah. like his lyrical content, I just relate to on a cellular level. I'm like, I need to know like more about this. You say guy. a cell- cellular, cellular level. Cellular level, <laughs> yeah, dude. Singular. You know, Tim <laughs> uh, and, and guys, uh, the, I love uh, not talking about musicians, but or or just rock stars. I I love the Ted Templeman book. So mm. books on producers, like let's say Roy Thomas Baker, who worked with Queen and some so many other bands. I would love to read his Roy Thomas Baker book. Or yeah. You know, producers sometimes have great stories because they work with so many different types of artists, oh, and they work point. with artists at the most, you know, most vulnerable point, and they help shape, you know, what I listen to. So, that Ted Templeman book was a recent one I read that was great. That's a good you know? book. Roy Thomas Baker would be great because, uh, I mean, among the Queen stuff, there's the Cars, there's um, Cheap Trick, there's other star people. Like oh, he's done so many different levels. Same with Ezrin, you know, because Ezrin did someone that yeah. that we're very familiar with in instruction. Which, you know, yeah, I don't yeah, know if he yeah, remembers yeah, doing yeah. that album, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they, yeah, I agree. That great? Yeah, I agree with you on if that. Someone stuff. forgets when, oh. when they forget they did they did something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, happens, oh, I did do that. You're right. Yeah, it happens way more than you think. <laughs> on that level, I think I would want a book um, on Bill Stevenson and his produce, not only producing but his you know background with oh yeah, me Descendants, too. Descendants, Black yeah. Flag, and how he got so fat. <laughs> well, that well, actually was a health have, issue. So that's okay, part of the book. That's part of the book. I'm sorry. I'm writing it right sorry. now. Jesus. He's one of the guys yeah. that I had a, a Barbara, I had a uh, what do you call it? A Barbara Walters moment where I interviewed him and he cried. I'm like, wow. Whoa. Did you really? that? Did you call him yeah. fat? I did do Bill that to Stevenson, someone. Man. We can't talk about. Well, yeah, we no, can't. I Okay, I made someone cry I that I should have been killed for, but I'll never <laughs> talk about it. I don't want to say who did, it was. Did Alice Cooper write a book? I know there's movies on him, so it's kind of like yeah. you know you have the documentaries, but it's not his documentary. Well, you know, like, but if he had a book from his own words, that would be cool. Yeah, I mean, Carlos, speak on this. Like, that's a great point, Keelan, yeah. because like someone like Alice Cooper, I would like to read about the stuff we don't know. Because everyone's going to tell you what right. you could find in you yeah. know just history, but I know what's his take that's on it. That's a big problem. Big big problem, and sometimes the bigger the rock star, that right. 
it's the bigger problem in the book. It's like, I know all this stuff, but then, you know, someone will say, Carlos, this book is being written for a, a very casual fan. Right. This is not being written for the nerds. I'm like, well, I don't I want the a nerds. about the casual fan. <laughs> yeah. 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 I want the mid news show. I want like, all right, this is the reason why Kane Roberts uh, got fired because, you know, <laughs> right. he's he wearing too so much oil in the photos <laughs> and, uh, you know, some you know what I mean? Like content. he was taking too much Philly <laughs> talk in the whole, you know, he was eating too much of, 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 you know, the backstage writer, whatever it is. I want to hear like, I, the other thing about books, rock books that are, are, to me are such a bore. And I know Tim, uh, you're, you're straight edge, but, uh, as someone who Represent. drinks and, and, and does drugs, I, as much as I, you know, like to partake in, in, in those kinds of things, it's such a fucking bore fest to read about nonstop about drugs. And, right, so you must have loved Sebastian Bach's book. <laughs> oh, it's so boring. All it's it like, is is like, like the, heroin di- the heroin diaries. Dude, if you were on heroin as much as you said you were in those, in those stories, you wouldn't remember that stuff. It's yeah. all fake. And, yeah. um, you know, and I actually, I actually worked on the marketing for that book. So I, you know, I'm, I'm a hypocrite for doing that, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's like, it's, you know, I don't, you know, I, I get it. That's part of the story and you can give us some of that, but it, when it becomes like most of the book and it's just like drunk and drugged, it's like such a fucking bore fest. You know yeah. what it I is? I want to hear yeah. more about, yeah. I, I, I think ahead, it's sorry. just the, in, no, no, I'm sorry. I think it's all the insecurity are the, you know, Sebastian or Stephen Piercy because they're both similar in their books of how they talk about how much partying they did i think it's just they miss how famous yeah. they used to be so they want to prove to you how cool they were yeah. and that's why the picture on the cover is still a photo of sebastian 30 years ago and um well because it wouldn't fit on it today exactly but you know what i mean like it, it, every page is how much coke yeah. he did with ace freely and then um how he can't be seen on the sidewalks it's hard being a rock star i'm like that fucking that's not what i was looking forward to reading i yeah it's funny to laugh at and it's it's what he wanted to write about. So I read it and I enjoyed it to an extent. But I mean, a book that has yeah, all of that, that has the label stuff and yeah. the drug stuff is Kiss and Sell by their old their old accountant, right? I don't know. You've, yeah. I'm sure you've read it. That was yeah. one of the first books. Yeah, I have. But, the Howard Marks one? No, it, w- it was by the was guy that? that worked with Howard Marks. I, I forget his name. Um, Clickman? No. Was it Clickman? Chris something? Anyway. Anyway, yeah. So okay. He, so. It's a great book, but like he will tell every story, like yeah. talk about a meeting in 1976. And he's like, and he describes the tie pin he had on. I'm like, dude, you don't remember what the fuck you had on. Like, so how can I believe the rest of this book? Well, that's how you know I, I mean? that's right. how I lost interest on the Keith Richards book, because, you know, they got a fascinating history. And I'm sure the book ends up being great, but it's already so fucking thick that in the third chapter, and he's telling us how his great grandmother's porch in England had too too much, you know, dirt on the on yeah. the first step and he'd have to go walk over there and sweep, sweep it off. It. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. But in major detail, like four pages. It's so like, you know uh, he didn't write that. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you have an essay and you have to you have to meet yeah, the word requirements and they're like <laughs> That's exactly what that was. So Keith look, Keith Keith Richards probably doesn't remember certain Rolling Stones albums were made. You know oh, what I mean? Like, without a doubt. Remember remember the Harlem remember when you did Harlem Shuffle and you're like, what mate? Right. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? He doesn't like, remember those songs. Exactly, <laughs> but you're right. Like with the heroin diaries, it was all uh, fiction for the m- most part, guaranteed. Because yeah. if you're on that drug, I know we haven't ever done it, so we can't say we know what it's like. But yeah. from the stories, you know, I'm just saying, you how did he have a full book full of stories to tell about every every moment of his heroin days? It's pretty wild. Carlos, did you yeah. know that you can get THC yeah. and chocolate chip cookies now? Oh my god. <laughs> As he giggles over uh, there. 
that would be for my wife. My wife likes that. Oh boy. Uh, when you're when you're I asking like smoking it. When you were asking, um, I I couldn't think of the Have book ever... that hasn't been written yet, but yeah. th- there's something that I was thinking of uh, a musical that hasn't been done yet that I think would be amazing. Uh, I know it's a little out of the bands that we're talking about, but like how American Idiot was pretty successful on Broadway, and it's the same producer of the Black Parade. I think the Black Parade needs to be a musical for so many reasons, and I think that would be huge. I don't. Uh, that's a great. I mean, it's it's written like that. It's but written. Is like it that. enough? You know what I mean? I, like you could. Argue. There's more than. I think there's more m- content to make a musical out of that one than American Idiot, and somehow they made that successful. Would you rather see a musical of the Black Parade or or Kiss music from the Elder? I'd rather see the musical than. <laughs> The band My Chemical Romance play. Well, <laughs> I'd like to see Gallo's Orchestra of Wolves like reimagined. Yeah. How sick would that be? Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Um, all right, Carlos, we're going to wrap this up, but I want to know, what are your five right. essential albums? Go. Uh, man, Bill, okay, so Billy Joel and the Stranger is my all-time favorite album. Is it? That's my, that's Get in my the pit. favorite of all time. Only Did you watch the boys? Billy Joel. <laughs> um... I'm sorry, what did you say? I said, did you watch The Boys on Amazon? Season 2 has a lot of Billy no. Joel in it. Oh, no, no. I heard, no, but I haven't. I haven't seen it, no. But yeah, The, the Stranger, Billy Joel. Um, I would I would go with Destroyer. I love Destroyer. I think that was the first album that, uh, as a little kid, I, it was not when it came out. It was in the 80s already, but mm-hmm. huge impact on me. I remember staring at that, the, the record, nonstop just being floored by Detroit Rock City. I remember hearing Detroit Rock City and thinking, it can't get any heavier than this. You know that <laughs> feeling? When, when I first heard Slayer, it was like, that. I was like, it can't get any faster and harder than this. And then, you know, Death Metal comes out. But, yeah, um, yeah Destroyer, The Stranger. I, um, I have uh, The Destroyer signed by Eric Singer if you want it. <laughs> <laughs> Keelan Ellis, everybody. so random. I love that. <laughs> so random. You're not going to not get Eric Singer's autograph. <laughs> Tim has and Tim has animalized with uh, Mark St. John on. It. Yeah, <laughs> but that's worth more probably. just like ACDC. Like, no, no, no. Might even be better. Yeah. It, I'm going to literally yeah, fucking me, explode. Tim's like clenched fist, tight lip. You can tell, you know, Tim, I can picture like Billy Duffy and Ian Asbury playing in demos and Rick Rubin going, yeah, uh, take off five of those riffs and just keep it two and that's good. Yeah, exactly. And I just love the economy of it, just the simplicity of it, the air in it. Another record Rick Rubin produced that might be, at least in my top ten, is Danzig 1. Uh, that is to me a perfect record, perfect record, nonstop. Uh, the photos, every, you know, the, the layout, everything yeah. about it is just first four, perfect. first four, perfect. Yeah, perfect. absolutely agreed, agreed. So those those are, you know, and I'm sure I'm going to think of other ones after, of course. That's uh, how it goes. Do, but 
Those are perfect part two. records to me. Appetite for Destruction, Danzig, uh, you know, uh, Destroyer, you know, perfect records to me. Will, will you do me a favor and write a book on the making of uh, We're Stars by Hearing Aid? I need to know that full story. <laughs> the wow. New Jersey version. <laughs> I, not the New Jersey, not the Long Island version. I want to know. Who, why they picked, say, Dave Menachetti instead of certain people. Oh, Menachetti's one of the best ones on that song, and Tim's trying to get me sick. Why is Buck Dharma on there? Looks like someone's dad wandered in while he's waiting for his car to get fixed. Yeah, dude. You know, Tim, Hell yeah. If you, watch the, if you watch the video, some of those people you can tell are in there because Wendy Dio was, was managing them. Yes, you know? exactly. So, Oh. Rough cut. <laughs> why, is, why is Paul Shortino? Why is Paul Shortino in there? And 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 Matt from Rough Cut. Why are they in there? Well, I, I think you answered your own there. question. Yeah. <laughs> it had to have been a Wendy Deal thing. Spinal Tap. Yeah, there's like, oh, he was in Spinal Tap, so we'll bring him in. Vince Neil just in the background. <laughs> yeah. Chris when, when he was like the hot. That was when Motley Crue was like at the biggest because Home Sweet Home just came out, and yet they're still like. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna. But Vince has a. <laughs> we won't even give him one yeah. lead vocal. They're like, we're gonna give these kids in Africa our food, but not our cocaine. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, if you do cocaine, you don't need any food. Exactly. <laughs> Carlos, I Essential miss you. Vitamins. This has been awesome. Uh, when this whole Same thing here. blows over, you should come hang out, and we'll do one live in the studio. Absolutely. And uh, where do you do it? Where, where are you guys based out of? We're in North Hollywood. We used to be downtown LA, and now we're <laughs> up in North Hollywood. <laughs> uh, it's a traveling you know? show. Yeah. It's a traveling show. It's portable. We're we're off right. cold water. Yeah. So. Like, All right. Well, you're circus. closer. You're closer to me, so that 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 that's that's cool. Well, yeah, I would love to. Thanks for asking me. It was fun. I always love talking about random kiss facts, um, and uh, you know, and anything, anytime I could talk about Paul Shortino or Rough Cut, I'm down. <laughs> so let me know. What is the most obscure fact that you know, other than you used to live next door to uh, Lou Frigno? <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the most obscure fact I can I know is probably Something that about Bobby um, Brown, <laughs> the drummer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, it's funny because you say Bobby Brown, and most people think of the guy from New Edition, but we're, we're talking about Bobby Brown from Cherry Pie fame. She's got a great uh, meth my, problem. Does she? Oh, that, that sucks. Um, Not for her. That, that's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my most obscure fact, uh, Tim. That's you know that one I haven't come up with yet. Okay. Know? That's like for you know, when you ask the songwriter, "What's your best song?" and you go, "Well, my best song hasn't been written yet." You yeah. know. That's my answer. My my most obscure trivia fact has not been, uh, it has not developed in my brain yet. I'm okay. still working on it. I and like that's that why, answer. That's why I read. Thank you, and that's why I read books about Sebastian Bach. Why else <laughs> would I? That's that's amazing. Okay, last thing: Steel Panther, yes or no? Yes, so, the wigs are real. <laughs> only only love them. I used to love going to see them when they did cover songs. When they started doing their own songs, I lost interest. Mm. I'm happy for them, though. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy for them. And Ralph is a fucking great singer. Yes, and, he is. You know, and, uh, well, <laughs> unreal. And Russ is a sick, sick guitarist. We all know that. I love them. It's not a personal thing. It's not like, oh, because they're a joke band. It's not that. It's just I liked them when they were doing cover songs, and it was just a live show at, at the Key Club. That's when I saw them. I didn't see them in other places. Yeah. And it was fun. And, um, yeah, that... So it's a it's a, a 50 50 answer, I guess. Okay, I only ask because people that generally like the kind of music that you and Keelan have punished me with today <laughs> tend to hate Steel <laughs> yeah. Panther because they think it's making fun of them. We'll do a strictly Dawkins episode no. next time just to piss Tim off. <laughs> oh, I, I would love to. I, I'm all for making fun of hair metal. Why not? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it so was. Ridiculous. That was the plan. It's so, 
it, it was it was absolutely you know uh it just it, it was i'm not like a butch walker who <laughs> kind of like makes you know what i mean but i read yes. butch walker's book of course and it's this tone to it that i, I don't like i love making fun of hair metal but I'm one of the few people who makes fun of it, but I unironically love it. I love it. Yeah. I love hooks. I love melody. I love fun. I love hot chicks and videos. I love that. I'm all for it. That's great. Right. Well, well, we'll leave with uh, Rebel with the Cause by Silent Rage. <laughs> tell, you, tell your wife I said hello. We got more to I talk will. about. I love right. you guys. Thanks, man. Thanks Thank for you. the time. All right. fun. Thank you. Man. Thanks. Bye. Take care.